Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. I want to travel the world and I want the kids to come. Jenny, why haven't you made this offer to me? No. No. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in the glorious, glorious year of 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Boring year. Bah. You don't know. You weren't alive. <laughs> mom told me. Because <laughs> <laughs> mom is like so the judger of what is a... A good year or not. A, yes, an she amazing is. fun year. She told, has told me multiple times 1974 was the worst year of my life. <laughs> I mean, it probably was, to be fair. <laughs> All right, Jenny. Um, any announcements up front? Yeah, I got an announcement. Oh, no. Oh. Oh no. She looks aggressive. What's your problem? On August 19th, 2022, on Six Degrees of Reality TV, Uh while covering Married at First Sight, Season 15, Episode 7, (laughs) Real Life Reckoning, Amy Archer misquoted Shakespeare. You know what? I know I did. But no, I didn't. No, I didn't. You said it was somewhere wrong. No, I didn't. Jake said that. No, but then you confirmed it. I confirmed it, but it was wrong. It was Macbeth. Yeah. And he said Hamill. Even I knew that. Yes. But then you it. said, got you on the Hamill. Hamill. What is no, that? No, he said, got you on the Shakespeare. I said, got you on the Shakespeare reference. No, That's you said, what I said Hamlet mm-hmm. reference. I knew it was wrong. It was Macbeth. You said Hamlet reference. The we got to do the playback. The minute, Insert playback here. <laughs> the minute I heard it back, I knew it was Macbeth. Of course it's Macbeth. Well, you got it wrong. So I just want to point that out to mm-hmm. all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. And and Poodle got it wrong as well. Yes, you both yes, did. Yes, yes, we did. All right. Are you done? Yeah. I was holding on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jenny, I want to say that our Titanic guy has... Uh, he's our Titanic guy now? <laughs> yes, guys. On Instagram, the guy that we're following called the Titanic guy, who we just... I love his energy. I don't love him. Like, he's not... Whatever. But I love his energy. Now he's reporting on shipwrecks. Just in general? Yes. There was a yacht that went down, and he was, like, on the scene. Wow. Okay. <laughs> reporting, and I'm like, this is everything I need right now. 
is this dude just talking about shipwrecks. So there's that. Okay, so I want to draw everybody's attention to that. All right, everyone's attention has been drawn to that. (laughs) Next. All right, anything else? No, I don't have anything else. Jenny, people are coming fast and hard for us on, on Patreon. We it we're like hundred and six. Wow. Like I don't uh, even know what to do with myself. It must be Amy's variety hour driving. I think traffic. it is Amy's variety hour. Even though so... you've been talking about that for a year and it did nothing. <laughs> it actually had people leave once you were I, talking about it. I wanna say it's my so called life that's exciting people, but I think it's rock of love. Let's face it. Oh, come on. Guys, so this month, which is September. You'll be hearing my so-called life only season episode two and rock of love season one episode two rock of love is like I said last time, a gift from the gods. I mean, it just, it delivers everything, It's everything we need. So we'll be doing that. And then, um, if you haven't already jump in our Facebook group, the Mimi bees where we have real interesting discussions over applesauce. Jenny, did you malign applesauce? I did not. I just said that Grant. Okay, I did say that what adult eats applesauce. I may have said that, and apparently Jen does. So, so she took she Actually, took some kind of offense to that. A lot of the memes eat applesauce, and right, I fine. eat applesauce. Whatever. I wonder if I could make my own applesauce. It's not that hard to make. You just mush. I have apples. an apple tree. You just boil apples and like mash them. I have an apple tree. I'm I put a shit ton of sugar and cinnamon in them. All right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a shot. All right, Jenny. So, listen, today, guys, and my mic is fixed. It was fixed last episode. Still going strong. I'll never do that again. I apologize. Stone Soup was a disaster. Okay. It's still a little echoey. I know. I don't know how to not make it echoey in this room. I, I got to get one shit on the walls. Oh, yeah. I probably need something like yeah. that. Okay. Guys, today we're looking at Little House on the Prairie, Season 8, Episode 15, Uncle Jed. Do you have a description, Jenny? Oh, yeah, I do. You made a big deal out of pulling this up. Now you're not ready? Charles and Carolyn are about to adopt James and Cassandra, but their Uncle Jed comes forward demanding custody of the Cooper children. Jenny, who wrote this? It's written by Don Ballack. I have to say something. I kind of liked it. Wow. That's how low the bar is. And it's directed by Maury Dexter. I feel like it was good. That's because Landon's nowhere near it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> there was an opportunity for shirtless paw here. I'll point it out when we get to it. Okay. So we open on Cassandra winning a poetry contest. Yeah. How about that? And Laura's still pregnant. Still. Still. Mm-hmm. So that's still happening. Outside the school, Willie spies a fancy man heading into town. And he asks for directions to the Ingalls. The... I think he pulls up at Olson's and, and Nels tells him Charles is out digging an irrigation ditch. And before Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, two things. Everyone has an Uncle Joe, right? Everyone has an Uncle Joe. Number one, Uncle Joe would never fight for custody of me oh, ever in a million no, years. He no, would no. fight to di- be disowned from me legally. Yeah. Um, and number two, Uncle Joe would never be driving a wagon like this. This is like like, Uncle Joe having been born in the 50s would not be (laughs) driving a wagon like this, but okay. Uncle Jed, before he hangs out there, he's going to check into the hotel and he clearly hit gold. 
because Clearly. he took Willie a dollar, which Willie will use to go buy more smut. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Willie cannot get enough. There's like, never mind. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> I got in trouble for my hot take on Willie and Laura. Yes. Yeah, what was going on? Were you getting dragged down? I didn't get dragged down, but people were like, their siblings calm your shit. Yeah. What the hell? I thought that was really dumb. Tell me it's some weird energy. Okay. Now we see Charles digging. Why is Charles not shirtless here? I don't know. Why don't you ask Michael? Because Michael Anna's chest hair is probably gray at this time. Why is it? Doesn't he shave it? He definitely shaved it in season two. He is in a ditch, sweating his ass off, digging. He could totally be shirtless here. Okay. Anyway, Charles doesn't recognize Uncle Jeb, but we do because he's played 10 characters on the show, including <laughs> Mr. Sims. Wasn't he? Didn't he play like the, a- the Angel Gabriel or something? Too? No, that's Ergus Borgnine. You're always oh. thinking that's him. He played Jebediah, the old gold dude that Laura almost killed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then he played Mr. Sims. Mr. Sims. Yeah. Yes, which we can't forget about that. So Jen is like, I struck gold, dude, and I had a makeover. By the way, how yeah. are those how are those kids you tried to give me that I didn't want? Right. So then he's like, by the way, I've been thinking about how much of a dick bag I was back then, and I've decided to come and destroy your life. So well, but here I am. He, ta- he talks about the wild spending spree he went on, and then he was like, hey, I wonder if those kids are still in an orphanage. Hey, I wonder- <laughs> yes, he does. He's like, oh, I wonder if those kids are for sale. I'm going to use them. <laughs> So Charles invites him to dinner, kind of unsuspecting of the plan that is about to happen. Okay. So at the little house, Jen, we got a Lafayette Beetle sighting. Oh, God. He's out there with the the chauffeur. He's out there with the chauffeur. So inside, Uncle Jed tells them he struck a huge gold mine and he has enough money for two lifetimes. He tells James and Cassandra he bought a ton of shit. Oh, and then decided to look up. <laughs> I was wondering if you were doing hard labor in an orphanage after I bought all this stuff. The kids are happy to see him, and he wants to take them out into the woods to have a picnic. Carolyn decides to brag about Cassandra's winning the poetry contest. And now we have the poem. And it's dark. Can we discuss okay, how dark ready? it is? We ready? I'm going to recite yeah, it. Sure, okay. It's called A Miracle from God. At first I was like, this is your basic iambic pentameter, but it's not. It's nine syllables each line, which isn't even a nonet, which goes down in syllables. So I don't know what this is. It's just your lazy four quatrain poem that any teenager can write. So here we is go. Is it like a haiku, Anne? It's nothing like a haiku. I think it's a haiku. Shut up. So it's called A Miracle from God. So I'm going to deduct some points on that title right there. (laughs) Okay, number two. Here we go. Once I was lost and scared and cold, you have no family. I was told it gets real dark. Oh my God. I wrote wrote this when I was five. Except a brother to keep me warm in any winter or any storm. He was as lost and scared as I, but brave enough to never cry. We'll make it through is what he said. Even though mom par dead. <laughs> but in my heart, I could not see how life without them could ever be. They lay in cold silence beneath the sod. Wow. That's wow. where I was like, this took a turn. This took a turn. Say this would be a miracle from God. That miracle came like a glorious dawn 
just when it seemed all hope was gone. We give thanks to God in his heaven above for our new family's unbounded love. Now, I want to say something. You know the story about Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, right? No. That he wrote like 17 or 18 verses for oh, it. Yes. Yeah. And, and they're like the lost, forgotten verses. I feel like that's the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, I found the lost poem of Cassandra's. There were two verses on the end that were lost, and I happened to find them. Oh, good. So here they are. <clears throat> there was a hill, and my, <laughs> my mother was scared. Oh, no. My father's thinking was greatly impaired. He took to her aid and didn't escape, and the wagon took flight, and our mouths were agape. <laughs> the buckboard was loose. We couldn't help but stare as their bodies like rag dolls sailed through the air. Wow. And when we realized my beloved parents were dead, Charles leaned over and said, you're going to live with Uncle Jed. <laughs> All right. Are we done with this? So, so that is, those are the forgotten verses. So now we're back. Okay. Uncle Jed is moved by this poem and he hugs Cassandra. And then we see cut to, he's grabbing the kids from school and he's taking them, Jen, on a shopping spree. Shopping. How'd your shopping spree go the other day? Oh, I went shopping. I went back to school shopping with my girls and my mom. I think we discovered the secret formula is mom has to take one kid and go one way. And I have to take one kid and go the other way. Oh, okay. Because one kid hates me, so I need to be away from her. Okay. And then they hate each other, so they need to be away from each other as well. Which kid hates you? Um, not not little Jenny. Let's put it that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ironically. Uh huh. So James is like, listen, I appreciate this, but like I live in a poor family, and the rest of them are dressed in rags. I don't think it would be cool if I showed up like in a. I don't suit. think they're dressed in rags. First of all, <laughs> so then it turns out Jed is buying for everyone, and Harriet is super excited to be selling them two outfits each. Jen, one for weekday clothes, one for Sunday best. How would you react if you were only allowed to have two outfits? I don't even know how that works. Do they have to wash it every day? I guess. All I know is my kids have one uniform for their work, and I have to wash it, like, every day. Oh, God. It's a pain in the ass. So, at the little house, Uncle Jed is bringing them home all the stuff, and he's like, Charles, I hope you're okay with this. I'm a humble gentleman myself, and I just enjoy the pleasure of buying these kids things. And The thing Char- is, like, Paul didn't say anything about yeah. it. Like, yeah. he just brought this up. and was like, I hope you're not insulted by me buying this, <laughs> like... Charles, first of all, Charles in season three would have been livid. Oh, he would have thrown him right out of the house yeah. without a shirt on. But now he's like, yeah, you want to buy the kids a bunch of shit? That works. Well, I think he's like looking around like we can use an addition. Yeah, on seriously. Old, on the old cottage here. So at the picnic by the drama pond, I couldn't remember. Is it the drama pond or do we name it the breakup pond? I don't remember. Okay. Anyway, there's that pond, guys, where everybody gets real dramatic. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was, the, I think it's the breakup pond because it was the site of Laura and Nellie's fight. Right. And it was the site of Manly's disgusting ultimatum. Right. So, I don't know. Anyway, Uncle Jed's telling these stories, these kids' stories of his childhood. He's like, you know, oh, I uh, had this girl and I almost married her, but I didn't, whatever. And then he says... 
that he specifically avoided their parents once these kids were born. And I thought, wow, that's like Jimmy. Well, he's like, nothing was too bad for your parents as long as they had each other. And I'm thinking, well, until the fatal accident. (laughs) Super weird. The whole conversation was so weird. Yeah, he was basically like, I peaced out for like 15 years. Or however old that kid is. Go on our Instagram, on our reels, where I've shared the, the wreck the accident it's it's amazing i mean it could never be reconstructed it was it was perfection in the moment that it was and just cassandra's face i thought she was just gonna have a breakdown which she did and she didn't talk to anyone for like six months so anyway there's a sweet moment that turns weird when uncle jeb starts asking if there's a racetrack with some horse action around In church, cut to church, and Reverend Alden is thanking Judd publicly for donating funds for a new church roof. And after church... Go ahead. Can we discuss how Carrie has actually zero lines? Carrie has one line later, and I I refuse to write it down. Yeah. Cassandra has, like, pages and pages of dialogue. She's she's reciting poetry. You think think Carrie could have recited that poem? No. We'll be like, in holy, and his God. (laughs) like it would have made no i didn't even i think there was one scene where it wasn't the same kid i think they had like a body (laughs) double so after church the kids run home and jed sequesters carolyn and charles and he's like you've done a great job with the kids but i'm here to take them from you and then he's like i've been with the youngins for three weeks, and I, I just can't leave. I want to travel the world, and I want the kids to come. Jenny, why haven't you made this offer to me? No. No. First of all, I don't have enough money for two lifetimes. <laughs> Jenny barely has enough money to support her own lifestyle when she's ordering $500 exactly. appetizers. Okay. I'd like so, to see that restaurant. He says he fell in love with the kids, and he offered them to me once. And guess what? Now I'm ready to step in. And Charles is like, no, 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 no. No takey backsies. No way. You're not doing this. You said no, motherfucker. He's basically like, now I can buy those kids. Yeah, so Carolyn says, Jed's like, you need to ask the kids what they want. And at one point, Carolyn's like, do you really want to do that to them? Mm -hmm. Like, put them through that? And he's like, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds good. Okay. So later that day, we see the kids and Uncle Jed fishing. They're asking him, Jen, why he coughs so much. I'm like, he's dying. Yeah. Dying. 100%. Yep. Back in that, those days, guys, when you coughed, you died. It was, you the, coughed, unfired, it was the unfired disease on the set. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts talking about that Betsy chick again. I don't know why he keeps ringing her up. It's so weird. Like, whatever. Get over Betsy. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, they're, like, interviewing him. And, like, it just made me think about how, like, in these days, unlike now, you you could never see a person again. Like, that would be a real thing. Like, now you'd have to actively avoid them, I feel like. But back then, they would just move away and you'd never hear or see, from, see them again. You mean, like, when I was doing Mom's Family History and I told her she has an uncle? Yeah, like... And she never knew about him. Never knew. Never even heard his name. Yeah. Because he moved to California. Yeah. That's what happens. I was listening to a podcast yesterday Uh about the Donner and Reed party. Have you heard about this? The The Donner Donner party Party. that ate themselves, ate each other? 
Yeah. That was fucking dark, man. That was dark. Do you know Abe Lincoln was supposed to go on that? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know His that. best friend was on it. Hmm. And he really wanted to go and his wife told him no. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And his wife wore the pants. We all know this yeah, from that podcast. Hmm. Okay, so Trader Jason Bateman tells Uncle Jed he's special and he loves him so much and he reminds them of their real parents, not the Angles. Like, okay, uh, dick. <laughs> so that night, Charles tells all of the kids about Uncle Jed's offer. Cassandra loves Uncle Jed, but doesn't want to leave. Carolyn's like, well, it could be a pretty amazing life, so think twice before you say no. I think Carolyn wants to go. Carolyn wants a fancy life. We all know this. Mm-hmm. So Carrie speaks, and I can't even understand it, so I didn't write it down. <laughs> Charles tells them, take their time, think it over. Then visit Uncle Jed tomorrow and give him your answer. And James is like, do you really want us to stay? I know we cost you a lot of money. We take up a lot of space. And Charles is like, we love you both. That's not even a question. So the next day, Uncle Jed picks them up and he wants to talk. They go for a ride and he's like promising them their own rooms, fine clothes, good servants. And then I wrote, holy shit, he promises Cassandra a pony. They promise him two ponies. And the best is when Jed picks them up after school and they're walking over to his carriage and they walk past Albert and Carrie and Albert looks like he's going to straight up murder someone. <laughs> You'd have to put that somewhere on one of our feeds because he like just has this murderous rage look on his face. So Uncle Jed offers to take them to New York City. Then he starts whining about living the rest of his life alone, which is what this is really about. It was totally what this is about. So James and Cassandra bail. They literally are like, let us out right here. We don't want to be in this carriage. And they start talking and they're like, we don't want to do this. They agree they both want to stay with the Ingalls, but they don't know how to tell him. James and Cassandra come home. They announce they want to stay. And Charles is like, do you want me to tell Uncle Jed? You could tell Charles kind of wanted to. He wanted to do it 100%. Yeah. Now we cut to Charles telling Jed and he's like, I promise we didn't influence them. And Jed's like, I'm sure you've been more than fair. Then he starts hacking away. He coughs, he coughs up a lung and like, this just plays different now. <laughs> and it will forever play different since COVID, right? Like, you're just like, get this like, reaction when you see somebody coughing like that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all a little traumatized. We absolutely are. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right. Suddenly, Jen... Jed lawyers up. Lawyers up. (laughs) And he's like, can we do this the easy way? No, we're going to do this the hard way. And I'm going to lawyer up so fucking high you won't even be able to see me. And Charles is like, wait, Charles is like, what the fuck, dude? And then Charles is like, game on. Where is fucking, what's his name? Don't even even say his name. (laughs) Adam. Being useless somewhere with his useless wife. But to be fair, they're going to have this trial probably like tomorrow and it would take like six months to get from New York. Yeah. And look, don't even, it's like, it's like Bloody Mary. Don't say her name or she'll appear in the script next week. I don't want to talk about them. I I don't want to know they exist. I just think this is a really bad plan on Jed's part. Because here's the possible outcomes, right? Number one, you win and the kids hate you. Yes. Number two, you lose and the kids hate you. Yes. Number three, you die from the stress. Yes. Number four, you die in a year or so anyway. Like. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do these people think they're going to live forever? He's like 85 and it's like the 1800s. He's like 117 and he's got a cough. Come on, dude. He Like, whatever. So now we see the Ingalls heading to court. It, it, it seems like it's like a week later, maybe a couple days later. I don't know. They're heading out. Charles is looking good. The can, whole we just, town, can I just make an observation? Yeah. Judd keeps getting cough medicine from the Olsons. Wasn't all cough medicine basically booze then? Yeah, and he is slugging that down by the bottle. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. just so we're clear. The whole town knows about this, especially Harriet. And she's telling Nels, Charles isn't thinking. Those children are all crammed together. He's such an asshole. Nels is like, he loves those kids. Then Jed comes in. He's really hacking up a lung. Yeah. Grabs the cough medicine, <laughs> shoves it right down. And when he leaves, Harriet says, Charles doesn't have the right to deprive those children of the opportunity to be rich. Yep. Wow. Okay. She just gets worse and worse. <sighs> Jesus. Now, Jenny, the judge... I'm calling him Dime Store Dick Van Dyke. Okay. Okay. Because he kind of looks like Dick Van Dyke. Kind of does. Yeah, yeah. kind of does. He's here to rule on this case. And he starts by asking James and Cassandra what they want, even though he's not going not gonna to oblige by that. Whatever. Nope. So they're like, we want to live with the Ingalls. And then this weird, slick city lawyer stands up and he's like, this case is different, Your Honor, because there's no animosity here. Both of these men respect each other. This is simply for the interest of the Cooper children. And then he brings up how Charles tried to dump them off on a hundred people and only kept them once he realized he failed. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. So Harriet's on her porch staring at the church and she wishes she was a fly on the wall. And Nell says he wishes she was too because flies tend to get swatted. Oh my God. What was that? Like violent. Move. Was that like foreplay? Was is that their kid? I don't know. Inside, the judge says, "Listen, money means nothing here. 
I rule on natural family ties and I go by, you know, what's best for the kids, especially when there's a chance of abuse or fall play, which is not happening here. Oh my God, fall play is murder. He didn't say fall play. <laughs> I put that in there. Fall play. The judge says, technically, these kids aren't really adopted by you, Charles, because your adoption's not final until next month. Oh, God, of course. And you could see Charles start to have that panic attack that we all get when we realize we didn't file the right paperwork or something. <laughs> We're all like, oh, my God. Or that you didn't, uh, that you are missing a class that you need to graduate. 100 <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the judge decides he's going to make a recommendation, but it's only a recommendation, that Mr. Cooper leave the children where they are. And Jed is like, nope, I want them. Yep. So Dick Van Dyke rules in Jed's favor. And Cassandra, who's already already living with the trauma, go back to the poem, of watching her parents <laughs> roll down a hill and die, <laughs> stands up and runs out crying, screaming, I hate you, you lied to us, whatever, you're an asshole. All right, now we have this short scene where Jed sees his lawyer off and starts coughing again. And Jed, who happens upon him? Well, Doc, here's someone dying on his porch. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> Jenny, I have to say something. I figured out a, a term for what Doc Baker does. What's he doing? So Timmy and I are rewatching It's Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. You know how Mac thinks he's the security of the bar? All yes. Yeah. So Mac does what he calls an ocular pat down. He's always like, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's always like an ocular assessment of the situation. <laughs> like, you you pass the ocular pat down. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like what Doc does is an ocular diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he does an ocular diagnosis and he's like, <laughs> it's not good. At home, Cassandra's sobbing, and James is doing his best to comfort her. And she's like, I hate Uncle Jed. I hate Uncle Jed. Then she pulls the old I'm going to run away card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in classic English tradition. Classic. Baker, back to Baker now. He's asking Jed if he's a drinker. And then he's like, okay, I hope not, because I'm going to give you some of this real strong medication. You have to drink it three times a week because you have consumption. I have an index card. Thank God. Because I need to know what this shit is. So consumption is an old term for tuberculosis, which is a disease caused by bacteria that attacks the lungs. When this started, we're not sure. There's evidence of tuberculosis in Egyptian mummies in India and China, but it could be much older. Wow. By the dawn of the 19th century, consumption had killed one in seven people. Wow. Throughout the 1800s, patients sought cures in sanatoriums where it was believed that a restful and healthful climate could change the course of the disease. So that all started like in the 1800s. Yeah, that's kind of where we are here. In 1882, Robert Koch's discovery of the bacteria which causes tuberculosis determined that it was not genetic but highly contagious. So they thought it was genetic, I guess, before that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And not not contagious. Okay, so hold on. So this dude has consumption, is coughing all over these kids. Yeah. And coughing all over my precious Charles. It's highly contagious. Great. But it's somewhat preventable with good hygiene. So mostly spread like in areas where there wasn't great hygiene. Like everywhere? Like everywhere? There wasn't great hygiene in these days. Victims suffered from hacky, bloody coughs. Debilitating pain in their lungs and fatigue. The first sanatorium 
opened in 1884 at Saranac Lake in New York. I don't understand because that's a cold climate, but anyway. Many sprang up all over the country. Tuberculosis was one of the most feared diseases in the world. In 1900, Dr. Edward Livingston Trudeau founded the National Association for the Study and Prevention of Tuberculosis, which would later become the American Lungs Association. Oh. In 1943, Dr. Selma Watkins' graduate class, which included Albert Schwartz, discovered the bacteria that would later create the antibiotic stephamycin that, in, com- in combination with other drugs, cures TB. Sanatoriums began closing in the 1950s when the disease became under control. However, in, in 2013, because it's still a worldwide problem, as are a lot of diseases, even though yes. it's not a problem yes. in the US anymore. Right. 1.5 million, there were 1.5 million tuberculosis-related deaths in the world. Wow. Jenny, I have a question for you. Is it sanatorium or sanitarium? It's sanatorium. Why did we used to call it the sanitarium? Because they're two different words. <laughs> one means like psychiatric inpatient care and one here are you sure about this two different words. yes i use this word and you freaked out because we used to have a sanitarium locally so sanatorium and an an establishment for the medical treatment of those who are convalescing or have a chronic illness okay and what's sanitarium sanitarium Showing results for sanitarium. Let me spell it correctly. Is an antiquated name for specialized hospitals for the treatment of specific diseases, related elements, and convalescence. Sanatoriums are often located in healthy climates. What is the difference between sanatorium and sanitarium? The word sanitarium is often used in place of the word sanatorium, but the two words differ in origin. Sanitarium comes from Sanitus, which means health, where sanatorium comes from, serene or to cure or heal. They're interchangeable. Okay, because we have a local sanitarium. You remember, you probably broke into it when you were a teenager and drank there. We all did. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so mom listens to this. Hey, mom, when we were like 15, 16, we were driving to an abandoned sanitarium and breaking into it and drinking there. Just put that in your hat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, and it was a TB hospital I believe I don't know what that one was there's definitely a smallpox hospital on Roosevelt Island here no locally here it was and it's like it's considered one of the most haunted places okay I'm gonna look it up pause I got it. Okay, so this is from Discovery PA, which is a local blog, okay? The Lackawanna County Tuberculosis Hospital, formerly the West Mountain Sanatorium, oh yeah, was first established in 1903 and facilitated with 20 beds. Throughout the years, the hospital grew, and at its peak had 100 beds available for patients. The hospital was the idea of who gives a fuck, all right, it was placed atop West Mountain, right? That's where we used to go. Yeah, yep. Okay. Most of the buildings on campus are now dilapidated. Ceilings have fallen in, walls have given out. At its prime, it boosted state-of-the-art radiology and laboratory departments with new equipment. It also had its own fields and farms and artisan well to support the patients and staff. 
The hospital was also noted for its open-air treatments. Patients were actually made to sit in screened porches throughout the year, sun or snow, to allow the fresh air to cleanse their lungs of tuberculosis. Okay. So, guys, it's haunted now is pretty much where this article okay, ends. Okay, but wait, you just tacked that on with no actual evidence. And, and Jen swearing to, like, whatever you made up is not evidence. In, in 1971... It was shut down. Wow, that's late. 1971. That was really late. Yeah. Uh, with new laws and new concepts of deinstitutionalization. Well, a lot of these places, though, were used for other things. Like, they weren't used for TB anymore. I'm about to read you the proof. So do you want to hear it or not? Stories have circulated around the old hospital. Stories have circulated. This is your proof. <laughs> Many people believe the old campus to be haunted. Also, misinformed urban legends have plagued the former hospital there you as go. well. There you the go. remote location, along with these stories, have plagued the air. There you go. Misinformed. There you go, guys. Done. Misinformed. Done. People Done. have said stories have circulated is not evidence. Yeah. Oh, here's something, Jenny. It has a little unknown history. The song Winter Wonderland was actually written in the sanatorium. Dick wow. Smith wrote the song while he was being treated for tuberculosis. Wow. wow. Okay. All right. So everyone died and it's haunted. <laughs> it's haunted by these ghosts. Like what's? <laughs> I can't All wait right. to see what evidence Jen comes up with that it was haunted. She will back me up. Urban okay. legends. So Jed gets this diagnosis and he's like, "Oh fuck," because he knows this changes everything. Baker says. Here's what you can and can't do, dude. You cannot live through another winter in Minnesota. If you do that, you're dead. Done. Even though they seem to be treating tuberculosis patients <laughs> at sanatoriums in like Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. So you need warm, dry climate like Arizona or California. And you won't get cured, but you'll, you'll get a little better. Like your quality of life will be better. And I wrote, he's literally being made to medically live in California. How do I get this diagnosis? <laughs> <laughs> of course, Jed is like, don't tell anyone, and slips in what looks like a $20 bill. So now we see Uncle Jed by the drama pond, and he's hearing voiceover of hey, what literally just happened. What was this? It's literally the whole episode and a voiceover. And it's like, it's not even like clips of it. It's like the whole conversations. The entire What time. is this? This is the worst writing. And then he turns around and his face starts to shake and he starts to tear up. And I wrote, in this moment, Uncle Jed knows what he must do. Why can't we just have him contemplating shit near the pond? Why do we have to listen to his inner dialogue? Why can't we put Michael Landon by that pond again, thinking in his tight pants like we had last week? I don't <laughs> okay. know what's going on. So now we see the little house and Cassandra can't eat. She's just this poor kid. I mean, she needs a team of therapists at her disposal. James is trying to wiggle out of school. He's like, do we have to go to school anymore? Like, yeah. He's like, rich in five minutes. Like the last three days of school. Jed pulls up and Charles runs out and cock blocks him. He's like, you're not coming in here. <laughs> and Jed says there have been some changes and he wants to see the children. So he goes inside and he lies and says, I was called away on important business. I have to go. I have to go far away. I cannot take you and you'll never see me again. <laughs> Like, whoa. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Then he's like, um, I'm going to need you to stay here with the Ingles after all. Sorry, I just put you through all that stupid, pointless bullshit. Uh, if I had just had my ocular diagnosis from Doc Baker, 
a week ago, we could have avoided all of this. Then he's like, I know y'all hate me, but I, I, I love you. And Cassandra runs to him, hugs him, and says, thank you for letting us love you again. Right. And then she's we have like, a super zoom out. And that's it. Yep. End of episode. Jenny, whose fault is this? First of all, I thought we'd get a voiceover at the end of the thing. Like, Uncle Jed lived another two months and then died on the way to California. Nope. Nope. Okay. We just never see him again. Um, this is Jed's fault, obviously. Yeah, I agree. At first, I was going to blame Charles for not getting that paperwork sewn mm-hmm. up tight. But it sounds like he did. Yeah, it's just the, the one-year waiting period, right? So I'm going to blame Uncle Jed as well. I mean, you just have these greedy siblings who don't want to have kids of their own, and they just want to cheese off of your kids, and they (laughs) they try to buy your kids, and your kids aren't having it. So I I feel this. Or they just never come back for those kids. (laughs) Um, Jenny, at the end of every episode, we look back on theme or lesson, something we take from the rewatch or the original. Did you remember this original? Not, I mean, a little bit, sort of, kind of. Yeah, me too. We talk about how it affected us. We called our wives designed to finish the sentence. Gen X, this is why. What is your why for this episode, Jenny? So I have two. Mm. This is why you can't upheave someone else's life because you made a bad decision and now regret it, which is what he's basically doing. A hundred percent. But he was not in a position. See, what he should have said to Charles when Charles cornered him on the gold mine in that one episode he should have been like, look at me, dude. I have nothing. If that ever changes, I'll let you know. Yeah, but that's not why he he didn't want them. Right. He just didn't. That's not why. Mm-hmm. He just didn't want them. Right. He didn't he want to take out kids. No. Which, I get it. Yeah, guys, I have in my non-existent will, this will be my living will and testament. If something <laughs> happens to me and Timmy, Jenny gets my kids. <laughs> Come on, they're almost 18. <laughs> And also, the, the other, my other why is this is also why, and we've talked about this before, why we thought custody was like a loosey goosey thing. And <laughs> like, it was like, it just, it always seemed like there was some kind of battle or fight or someone would just lose custody suddenly. Mm-hmm. Like, it was always like very, you know, it was, yeah. I feel like it was a theme, it was a thread. Yeah. Jenny, I have, this is why guilt is a wasted emotion because these oh, kids oh. should not feel guilty. Because guess who's going to get all this fucking money in the end anyway? When he dies. When he dies. They're his only heirs. Yeah. Yep. This is, they're, they're going to be rich anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee you that is never followed up on. It's never like Uncle Jed dies some days. And they get a fortune and they buy the Ingalls a fancy house. They'll probably be like, they, they'll get one of those letters. Like, you know how they always like Charles did. Letters. Like they always do. And they're like, you had a fortune. You have a fortune. You're rich. And then you go and, you go, and the lawyers are like, yeah, they spent it all on horse racing. And like, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Adam got that letter. Charlie yeah, got, got that letter. Everyone's actually broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. All right, Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? Well, the next one we're going to do is season eight, episode 17, Days of Sunshine, Days of Shadow, part one. <laughs> All I see see in the little thumbnail for the video is Elmonzo sweating his face off and Doc with his, like, hands on him. (laughs) Oh, my God. The marriage between Elmonzo and Laura faces his first test when he falls seriously ill with diphtheria and later suffers a crippling stroke. Eliza Jane arrives to help care for her brother but makes things worse by babying him. Shocking. I'm here for it. I'm here for hating on Manly. So get ready for some, hey, everybody! 
next episode. <laughs> and it sounds like he's acting like a giant baby. So that's a <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> Maybe right, Laura will have the kid by then. <laughs> Maybe. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.